you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm I'm talking to Kelly Mann, and Kelly is the co-founder of a business called Audit Miner. She also started her own CPA firm called Kelly Mann CPA LLC, and she's a cancer patient. So she has such an amazing story of entrepreneurship and resilience, and I'm so excited to talk to her today. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kelly. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I'd love to start just by talking about your beginnings. So you started in accounting. Did you always know you wanted to be an accountant? I feel like that's such a unique (laughs) position. (laughs) No, not at all. So I grew up in a small town of Wahoo, Nebraska. It's a town of about 6,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a marine biologist. So from Nebraska, I actually went to college in Tampa, Florida. And I convinced my parents to let me go there because I wanted to major in marine biology. So I get to Tampa and, you know, when you start college, you kind of have to take an array of different classes. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a business class and it was accounting 101, if you will. And I was in there and it just came easy to me. I like, like I'm embarrassed to say, but I kind of enjoyed the homework. Mm-hmm. like the puzzles. I liked the numbers and, and all that. And so I, I switched my major like the first week of college. And my parents are like, why did we send you to Tampa to be an accounting major? <laughs> but that's kind of how, um, how I got into accounting. It wasn't on purpose. It was on accident. Mm-hmm. So I feel like accounting gets kind of a bad rap in the business world. Like hundred percent. Can you talk yeah. about that? Oh my gosh. Like accounting is boring pencil pushers. You just sit behind the desk all day. Like I, I totally had that same thought, but it's not like that at all, actually. Um, like when I was in public accounting, I mean, I still am, but like going to client offices, working right alongside your team. I'm talking to clients every single day. It's definitely not sit behind a desk. Um, yeah, you definitely have to have a confidence in yourself. You have to be able to talk to clients. You have to be able to give presentations. You have to be able to write papers, um, and communication and organization is just like so important for an accountant. That's so, that's good to hear. I think it's so funny because going in, I heard that a lot. So I was, I was really intrigued when I was talking to you because you're the (laughs) first accountant on my show. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not as like boring as a stereotypical accountant is. And I don't think most accountants are boring either. It's just, we like numbers and puzzles. Yeah. That's great to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk more about, um, entrepreneurship because you're also an entrepreneur. I always ask my guests this who are entrepreneurs, what does the entrepreneurial mindset mean to you and your space? The entrepreneurial mindset to me means you're never okay with the status quo. Mm. Um, You always feel like there is a better way to do something and you're always looking to figure out what that is. That's like the creativity and innovation behind the entrepreneur. And then you also have to pair that with, I would say, risk tolerance and being okay with like not knowing where you're going and being okay with that. 
just being able to put one foot in front of the other and trusting that the universe is going to work itself out. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Let's talk more about the founding of audit minor because founded audit minor right before a pandemic in Uh August of 2019, I think. Yes. It's October of 2019 is the actual date we signed the documents to officially form the company. Tell me about that. What was it like starting your own business and then having this craziness? Yeah. So really it it started back in October of 2018. Okay. That is when I, I realized that I wanted to quit my nine to five job and start my own CPA practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for years and years and years, I was told in the, the most heartfelt way, um, try not to be such a bull in a China shop, <laughs> meaning like you have to learn how to navigate politics of a company and you know, you're very outspoken and maybe kind of tone it down a little bit. You can be abrasive and aggressive sometimes, but you know, that's just, we can get into female versus male and yeah. right. But so I was told over and over, try not to be such a bull in a China shop. And then in October, I had this epiphany and I was like, I'm okay with being a bull, but I am not okay with living in a China shop. Mm. And I quit my job to start my own CPA practice. So that's where it starts. Right. And so in November, I go out on my own, not a paycheck in sight, like trying to figure out like who my clients can be doing a bunch of networking. And then I'm also looking at how I'm going to structure the CPA firm and what technology I'm going to use in it. And the CPA firm is only going to audit 401k plans. Okay. Super niche, super sexy. No, I'm kidding. I know it's not sexy at all. Super niche. But so I started calling all these technology providers in the audit space. Okay. Saying, what software do you have for 401k audits? And every single one of them said, we don't have anything. And so it was kind of a great, have a nice day, move on with my life. Well, a couple of weeks later, I had a representative representative from each of those companies call me back and say, we heard you were interested in 401k audit software. That's an industry we want to get into. We just don't have an expert with the vision type thing. And so I would talk to them for about 15 minutes about what I thought technology could potentially do in this space. And then three weeks after that, I had two of those companies schedule a Zoom call with me. And at that point, I was like, okay, hold on. Like if all they want is my vision, I want to own my vision. Mm-hmm. And so I canceled the zoom calls and I started Googling startup accelerators and how to start a software company. And I took a coding class online to realize I never want to code a day in my life. I will happily pay for that <laughs> way more difficult than accounting, Yep. <laughs> but that's kind of where audit miner started. I had this desire for technology and then there was nothing in the marketplace mm-hmm. and I had freed myself of the nine to five grind. Mm-hmm. And I had this openness to explore and create on my own accord. And so I found a startup accelerator. It was a nonprofit here in Omaha, Nebraska. So they didn't take any equity. I didn't have to pay them, but it was kind of like a, a, how to build a a software company. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to do all the work, but they kind of had a framework. And so I put one foot in front of the other. And over the next nine months, I interviewed CPAs across the country saying, do you also have a frustration and benefit plan audits or 401k audits? What is your frustration? And I put all of that research together and I said, what is the most common frustration among all of these CPA firms that I think technology could solve? Mm -hmm. And that is how we came up with the uh, prototype for audit minor and formed the company in October of 2019. Hmm. And then that is when we started building the product, Mm -hmm. building the software, right? So for about the next six months, we are, um, 
getting my vision out of my head, putting it on paper, giving it to the developer. This is what we want you to do. I had a co-founder at this point, a technical co-founder. So we're getting ready to, we get done with the development or very close to being done. And the goal is to release the product April 15th of 2020. Right. So like the pandemic starts to hit in March, right. Mm -hmm. But luckily um, my, my markets across the country, and I don't need to be in front of them to show them the product. Like you can Mm -hmm. do it over zoom, but so the COVID wasn't the hard part of this. I'm sure there were some things that made it harder, but like when I think of 2020, I don't think of COVID. Mm-hmm. I think of cancer, right? So um, we're getting ready to release this product on April 15th. And on April 1st, April Fool's Day, the universe likes to play a really funny joke on me. Um, I get a call because I had a mammogram two days before mm-hmm. because they found a lump in my breast. So I get a call on April 1st saying you have breast cancer. And I was floored. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I devastated, Mm -hmm. absolutely devastated. And I can read, um, something from my journal Mm -hmm. just so like your listeners understand what it was like. And so at this time, my schools had just closed down for remote learning and I had a second grader and then, um, daycare closed because of COVID. So I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home. Mm-hmm. So three kids. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get the call and I wrote down here, I talked to the radiologist for 30 minutes and went straight into the bathroom with James. This is right after I found out mm-hmm. I had him lock the door. So my kids couldn't come in and I dropped to the floor. I had thought the past couple of days about what my reaction would be if I found out this was cancer. And I thought I would probably cry a little bit, but boy, was I wrong. I bawled my eyes out. I fell to the floor, shaking, just hanging onto my husband as he cried with me. I threw up and I cried some more. It felt like I was in there forever and I just couldn't understand why this was happening. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one understands why they're chosen to take on such a difficult journey. But at that point, I needed a reason why. Wow. And that was the start of the second part of my life. Because once you get a cancer diagnosis, you are no longer the same person. Walk me through that experience. And just, so you say you're no longer the same person. Mm-hmm. How, how did that change your mindset of starting your business and being a parent? I mean, that, that has got to change a few perspectives and the way you live. Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the business is kind of immediately went on the back burner. Mm-hmm. because if there is no me, there is no business. Mm-hmm. Right. But my concerns were, I have these three kids and I don't have care for them because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And my husband has to work full time because now I obviously need health insurance. Like mm-hmm. we can't like that go. And I'm not going to be able to work much because I have to do chemo. Yeah. And so my husband, he's a plumber. Mm-hmm. He goes in and out of people's houses all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of COVID, like that was terrifying. Am I going to have to like move away? So my husband who is in people's houses doesn't give me COVID because I'm going to be so vulnerable Mm -hmm. to die. If I get COVID. Yeah. Right. I have no immune system anymore once I start chemo. Mm -hmm. And so those are more the, the family was more going through my mind. Like do me and my kids have to move somewhere else? Do we have to move into grandma and grandpa's house? And my husband until COVID is over has to live by himself. Um, so all of these things are playing in my mind. Like 
structurally, what is my life going to look like? Mm -hmm. And then do I close my businesses? Do I stop audit minor? Mm -hmm. Do I stop my CPA firm? Am I going to be able to work? And so the decision was made that I will continue to run my CPA firm. I just will not bring in any more clients. I had six Mm -hmm. clients and I was just going to serve those six. Mm -hmm. Um, Audit minor, we decided to put on hold. We did not release the product in 2020. Okay. Um, And so there wasn't a ton going on with audit minor. Like, yes, we still like we're moving it forward in some aspects and talking every now and then, but it was not a daily thing. Hmm. My parents ended up taking my children out of the house and raising them. They live 30 miles away. And so they did remote learning with my second grader. And then they watched the four-year-old and two-year-old and they would bring them back to Omaha once or twice a week for an hour or so in the evening, if I felt okay. And then they would bring them home on the weekends when my husband was home to be able to take care of them because I couldn't, I was so sick. And then like my husband would go to work and he'd come home and he would strip down in the garage, you know, literally naked. Mm-hmm. take his clothes upstairs, take a shower, and he would have a box of Lysol wipes. And then he would work his way back through the house and wipe off everything he touched. Every doorknob, every railing, every, I mean, you name it. If he touched it, he would wipe it down. And twice a day, we were spraying doorknobs with Lysol, like to keep me healthy because I was so sick. Like there were days when he would change my clothes for me or he would carry me to the bathroom. Oh my gosh. And then I was so afraid that I would fall asleep and not wake up that we had my mother-in-law who lives seven hours away. She would drive to Omaha every other week and stay with me. Wow. Because I was so scared and like making a PB and J took all of my energy. And so like, I just wouldn't eat Mm because it was too hard. Right. And I had to eat. And so she would Mm -hmm. cook and she would clean and she would make sure my water is refilled. And I would just either lay on the couch or I would lay in bed. Mm -hmm. um that's pretty much what my 2020 looks like (laughs) god (gasps) and my clients were great in my cpa practice i probably spent five to ten hours a week but when i was working they were like what do you need i am all yours but they were they were amazing wow and then allowed us to continue to live in the same house and pay the bills yeah Mm -hmm. and then you know i went through chemo from april until september Mm -hmm. and then i had a double mastectomy in october they did not clear margin. So I had to have another surgery where they went back in to get the rest of anything they could find. And then they had to test those tissue samples that they got to see if there was still active cancer. And there was, Mm -hmm. and so they took, um, all of my, my breast tissue and 18 of my lymph nodes in my left arm. And then cancer was still active in all of it. And so I was devastated to find out in November that they were going to put me back on chemo for another year. (sighs) Like, complete devastation. I just was shaking on the way home. I couldn't look at my husband because I knew I would just break down even further. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to do another year of this? I just, even today I get teary eyed, like, Oh, the feeling that it just was like a bus hit me. Yeah. So, but luckily the chemo was only every three weeks and it wasn't as bad as the first chemo that I had. Okay. So I had a good week and a half of feeling like myself with just need an hour or two nap every day. Mm-hmm. So, um, my parents still raised my kids until late fall. I couldn't pick my two-year-old up. I mean, wow. because of the surgery, I could only lift like 10 pounds for 12 weeks, you know? So she didn't stitch. She didn't come home until February of 2021. Okay. But I had my other two here. Oh. 
And um, I started feeling better in January. So I started radiation alongside chemo in January of 2021. And I was, I told my co-founder, I'm ready to start like development and getting the product out. So that's when audit minor picked up again was in probably February of 2021. Okay. Um, And we released the product in April of 2021. Mm -hmm. And so while I was on my deathbed, as I'll call it, I was doing a lot of prospecting. So I was like, I think there were like 500 different CPA firms. I was just Googling in my bed where they like, who's in charge of the 401k practice at this firm? What's their email address? I would connect with them on LinkedIn and I would start prospecting. And so for a year, I would like prospect, I don't know, 10 people, 10 to 20 people a week. Um, while I felt, you know, good enough for an hour or something each. Mm-hmm on certain days. And so I had this huge list of CPA firms that I wanted to sell my product to. And when we released the product, April 12th of 2021, um, I also started cold emailing all these CPA firms. Wow. Yeah. And the coolest thing is two, 48 hours after we released our product, we had our first sale. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> That's yeah. huge. And then in the first six months, we already had customers in 25 states. <gasps> wow. And it's funny. Cause it's like, some of these people are like, who is this young girl with no hair trying <laughs> to sell me a product? <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I didn't wear wigs. I was like rocking my bald head. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack from your journey. And mm-hmm. I just, I want to thank you for being so incredibly open and yeah. raw about it because there's so much in the business world that we try to hide and fake our way through. And that's what yeah. I see as a young businesswoman is everyone tries to be this perfect figure on LinkedIn. So the fact that you're so open about yeah. it and really shaped who you are, is so inspiring to me as a young, young businesswoman. Thank you. You know, I was really worried that when my prospective customers found out that I was a cancer patient, mm-hmm. there would be too much risk and they wouldn't buy the product. Mm. like this woman is sick, you know, she's weak. That's, that was my worst fear, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And if anything, I think it helped me. I think that people Mm. are rallying behind me. Like we want you to succeed. Like you're working so hard. You've been through so much and we just Mm. hope for the best for you. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I think it's actually helped the business. The fact that I'm open and honest and sharing Mm-hmm. And my customers, like if I tell them something, they're like, oh, we trust you. We believe you. You're a straight shooter. You're mm-hmm. completely authentic. Um, and they, that's very refreshing to a lot of people, I think. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit because you talk about how you had such a strong support system and you mm-hmm. really had to ask for help. Yes. Is it difficult being so vulnerable and being like, I need help. I can't do this on my own to your family, but also to the people around you in the business world The, I mean, so it was literally survival mode. Yeah. And so asking for help wasn't very difficult because I honestly felt like I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I under, I mean, the way that I felt like not being able to roll out of bed, like I needed the help. And so I felt guilty, I guess, like, am I, am I milking this? Like, Mm -hmm. should I be able to be doing more? I was harder on myself. Like, come on, Kelly, you can get up and go get the mail or you can like refill your water. You don't have to text your mother-in-law to bring you up a cup of water, but 
people were willing to do it for me. And now that I'm out of it, I realized, no, I did need that. I was not being a baby. Like it was hard. Yeah. Um, and the professional world helped me too. Like in my CPA practice, I had this very difficult compliance issue pop up that needed research. And, you know, I had five hours a week where I felt like I could even do anything. And so I had colleagues from different states and different CPA firms doing the research for me for free, like pro bono, just to help me. Mm -hmm. I felt very bad about that. And the most I could do was write them a thank you note. And that took all of my strength to write that thank you note. Hmm. But I just hope that they realize that like, I, that was as much as I could give and I didn't write thank you notes to anybody that bought me gifts or flowers or meals. Like it was really only, I think three people I wrote thank you notes to because it was so hard. Wow. So I did ask for help there. Um, but the people made it easier because they were like, what do you need? I got you. Don't you worry for a second. Like they, they were so wonderful. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, that's, yeah. that's I could not have done this without my professional and personal community. Mm-hmm. No way. Nope. I'm not sure I would even be here. I would have given up. Yeah. You are so resilient. It's incredible. (laughs) It's absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh. You know, you never know what you're capable of until you don't have a choice. Yeah. And then I also tell people that there's a quote out there. I don't know who wrote it, but just because you carry it well, doesn't mean it's not heavy. Mm. You know, so there are people that maybe this is their third cancer diagnosis and people just shrug it off. Like it's a common cold because it's like, they've already beaten it. Wow. But you know, that doesn't mean that's not just as hard as the first diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You just have learned how to carry it. And so I have, I still have appointments all the time. I go to physical therapy once a week because I now have scoliosis from being so sedentary. Mm-hmm. My pelvis has completely shifted. I have, I go to a live strong program twice a week with other cancer patients as like a survival community to help my mental sanity Mm -hmm. and to develop, get my strength back because I'm just like jello. And so I still have a big part of cancer in my life, Mm -hmm. but people think that cancer is over for me because I'm not in active cancer treatment. Hmm. Is that difficult to explain to people who don't, who aren't able to relate to it? How? Yeah. So the way I explain it, so I have an 11% chance of recurrence for my cancer over the next five years. Mm -hmm. So 11% on the surface doesn't seem like that much. And then I tell people I had a 0.01% chance of getting this cancer in the first place. Wow. So 11% often feels like a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And then I also tell them, imagine that every single day you had to walk to your mailbox and back to something that you do daily, right? You don't even think about it but every day you had an 11% chance of being hit by a car and dying 11%. Wow. Would you still feel comfortable going to that mailbox every day? Hmm. And that's what a cancer patient has to do. Mm-hmm. Like every day we know that a bump, an ailment or hurt, an elbow that's sore could be cancer. And it's, you have to learn how to go through life with that risk. And yeah. I think being an entrepreneur and already going through the skills of not knowing what's next and moving forward anyway, has really helped me in my cancer journey Hmm. to know that everything's going to work out. And maybe I won't have a lot of time on this planet, but I'm going to make the best of it and make sure that I'm living the happiest life I can live. 
Mm-hmm. Just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, that's so true and so powerful. Can you walk me through your mindset when it comes to business now? Are you more likely to take risks? Are you, do you feel like, yeah, yeah. I, I am. So I think the way it really has changed me is that nothing seems like a big deal. Hmm. Okay. So if I say something wrong, if I mess up, if one of my employees messes up, like nobody's dying, it's not the end of the world. I have been there and that is not what's happening here. And so nothing seems as severe as it used to. Mm -hmm. So I'm a lot more laid back with the business. And I'm a lot more of like in the, my company, I want my employees to design their life and audit minor will fit into it instead of you need your life needs to work around your job. Your My job works around you hmm. because I, I have this different perspective on how important and fragile life is and how being happy can change your life, mm-hmm. true happiness. And so I think I run the business a little bit differently than I would have had I not had cancer. Mm-hmm. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness means, gosh, to me, being able to do what I want when I want to do it, being mm-hmm. autonomous, mm-hmm. Um, being able to take breaks and not feeling guilty that I'm letting somebody down, whether it's the business or the family. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's, that's happiness, being comfortable in my decisions and not worrying about letting other people down, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and happiness is different for everybody, right? Like, and I like working, mm-hmm. working makes me happy. And so I'm okay. If my kids are in daycare, you know, like, I don't feel bad about that. I don't have mom guilt as people say, mm. um, my kids are on the screens a lot because a lot of times we're still in survival mode here, you know, yeah. a full day of work wipes me out and I don't have a lot in me in the end, at the end of the day. And and my husband gets wiped out because he does dinner and grocery shopping and dishes and cleans the house and does homework and does bath time and bedtime because I'm so tired. Yeah. And so he's wiped out too. And so our kids get a lot of screen time, but that's okay because they know that we love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I take the guilt away. I don't, I don't compare myself to other people anymore or to what Facebook says I should be doing for my children. That's so true. And so important. Yeah. Because I feel like that's so common now, especially, yeah. Yeah. Especially with parents. Like I, this is such for a young person, it's such a community where you are constantly being compared to other people. And I can't imagine being a parent with social media right now. And especially with COVID. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say COVID because I have a 10 year old on the couch. You know, I just told you an hour ago, I got a phone call from school saying your daughter has a fever and a headache. And earlier this week, there was a positive COVID test in her class. And so, you know, come pick her up. She doesn't feel good. And she needs to take a COVID test. And I'm looking at it right now and she's positive. Oh, crap. Yeah. So now I work from home and she is not going to be able to go home, go back to school for five days. Wow. And then I have a kindergartner. And so I'm going to have to call the pediatrician and see if I need to keep him out too. And if so, mm-hmm. I have two children that have to stay home, one with COVID and I have to run two businesses. So right now in my head, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to get through this podcast, (laughs) call the doctor. (laughs) So real life here, I just found out that my oldest daughter has COVID. 
Yeah. And we're all vaccinated. Yeah. Wow. So I have a sick child and, you know, working mom. You're, you're smiling. Like I'm smiling. It's, it's comical to me because I know we're going to get through it. We just have to adjust for a little bit. And I laugh because it's like, of course, like, of course this happens. Yep. I mean, life likes to throw you curveballs and you just kind of have to go with the flow and do the best you can do. (laughs) You're so inspiring. I mean, you're you're so sweet. (laughs) You are. It's incredible. I mean, it's a privilege to be able to talk to you today right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so inspired and just thank you. Blown away by everything. I am kind of blown away by you. Like you're young. (laughs) Thank you. I don't think you understand. Like you, nobody is telling you that you have to do a podcast and interview me. You are one of the few that are taking control of your life and designing it. You are designing your life. And that's what more young people need to do. And they need to realize they can do that. Yeah. You're not probably getting paid for anything right now. None of this, but you know what, in the future, this is going to be a huge payout for you, whether you realize it or not, you were way more forward thinking than I ever was at your age. Thank you. I mean, I did 10 years, 11 years of public accounting, nine to five, grinding it out. Yeah. It wasn't until I was 36 that I quit my job to start my own life. Wow. And so you're ahead of the game. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired it, by you. It's stories like yours though. The fact that you quit your job, you made those <laughs> jumps. And even if the universe is throwing these curveballs at you, you're so resilient and you're yeah. and oh. one of my, one of my character traits I found out is perseverance. Ooh. Okay. And that's one of my company's qualities, perseverance. Okay. You know, we're going to have a hard time in the company. You're going to have a hard time in your life, but one of, uh, and another quote that I live by is the difference between an adventure and a hardship is perspective. Yes. I love that quote. And I mean, I should have it tattooed on my butt. I think (laughs) all the time, whenever something gets hard, Like right now I have this COVID situation I'm going to have to deal with. Well, some people may think of it as hardship, but you know, I laugh. This is just another adventure in life. And it's a story that we're going to be able to tell in five years. This is a COVID story. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's always flipping the hardship on its head and turning it into an adventure. I love that. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me more about the clinical trial that yes, we didn't talk about that yet. So excited about that. Yeah. So I finished up my last chemo treatment in September of 20 or August of 2021. Mm-hmm. And then I found this clinical trial in Tampa, Florida through my best friend, Amy. Um, <laughs> she is actually a researcher on this clinical trial. So her wow. mother passed away from breast cancer when she was 13. Okay. And she's my best friend met her in college in Tampa. And then I get breast cancer and, you know, it kind of flips her upside down, like here, my mother, and now my best friend. Mm -hmm. And she applied to be part of this clinical trial because she's a scientific researcher. And she, she got onto the trial and she's like, Kelly, you need to get in here. It's your type of cancer. And it's a a trial to prevent breast cancer recurrence. Hmm. So what they did is I went, I flew down there they hooked me up to a machine and, and put this port in my body. So I had a little minor surgery beforehand. And then there was an okay. port and an out port hooked me up mm-hmm. to my machine. And over a course of seven hours, they withdrew all of the blood in my body, put it through the machine, warmed it up and put it back inside my body seven times over. Interesting. And while it was in the machine, they took out my white blood cells, mm-hmm. took those to the lab. And then the lab taught my own white blood cells, how to kill 
my cells that cause that produce too much of the HER2 protein, which causes my cancer. Hmm. So over six weeks, I flew down every weekend Mm -hmm. and they put a shot in each groin and it was my new white blood cells being put in there. And then they were going around and teaching all of my other cells how to kill this protein Mm -hmm. in order to reduce my risk of recurrence. Mm -hmm. And then I will go back three times this year to get booster shots. But the theory is that this is going to make it so the cancer can't come back. And then if this works in the clinical trial, it will start becoming in the future, way future, first line of defense. So my hope, and it's a real possibility, is that when my girls turn 25, 30 years old, they can get a vaccine to prevent breast cancer, like a flu vaccine or a COVID vaccine or an HPV vaccine. Yeah. Isn't that that incredible? And I got to be part of it. (gasps) And so I may have legitimately saved thousands of women's lives. That is so, and it makes me so happy to be part of it. Yeah. I potentially saved my own life while Mm -hmm. doing it. So the clinical trial paid for all of the medical stuff. I had to pay for my own room and board though. I had to pay for my travel. Mm -hmm. And so that was expensive. And then we also found out that my insurance didn't cover my chemotherapy (gasps) that first year. Yeah. And so, you know, my husband's working full time and I have these two baby businesses. I didn't take a paycheck from audit minor. I couldn't support that. Yeah. And I kind of had closed down my doors for my CPA practice, not accepting new clients. And so, you know, there's a big financial impact to cancer Mm -hmm. that we're still shouldering today. Yeah. So we have, we have medical debt for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah that's a clinical trial. Um, yeah. it was really, really cool. It was painful. It made me sick. The shots were not fun, but Ugh. I think in the long run, it's going to be well worth it. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's cool that you have that relationship with your best mm. friend where you were able to do it together. I think the universe put us together, you know, back in 2001, when I went to college, Yeah, there was a reason. And the funny thing is she's married to my cousin. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like this universe just intertwined us and she was put in front of me to save my life. And I was put in front of her for her to live her life. You don't mind me asking, how did this experience shape your perspective with a higher power? I mean, how did it shape your, Hmm. your experience with that? And you don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable. I am comfortable feeling it. I just know that it's going to turn people off. Yeah. So I am a cradle Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Um, and then I, my daughter was going to a Catholic school itself and we went to church sometimes. Well, because of COVID, they weren't having church anymore. I got the cancer diagnosis and I have thought a lot about death, mm-hmm. a lot more than the average person. And I kind of believe that when you die, nothing happens. It's kind of like before you were born, you have no recollection of it and I will be put in the ground and that will literally be my end. Hmm. And so it actually, I don't want to say that I'm an atheist now. I would call myself an agnostic, Okay, but, um, I have a relationship with energy now. It's the weirdest thing to say. I think that like, I have a God, but it's not in the sense of like the Catholic God. Yeah. It's more, I think that there's energy out there that pulls people together and that you can create your life by putting your energy towards it. Mm -hmm. 
and a positive attitude. People say you need to have a positive attitude if you want to get through cancer. I think that's positive Mm. energy to heal you. And so I don't do a lot of reflection and I don't do a lot of thinking about it, but it absolutely has changed my relationship with God. I think there are many different types of gods and it's whatever you need for your soul to feel comfortable, whatever that soul is. I don't know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, one day, maybe I'll figure it out again. Maybe one day I'll go back to the church. Maybe I'll feel like I'm missing something, but it's definitely changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Or that's bad. You know, it's my story. It's not everybody's story. And my story's not finished either. And so maybe this is just a journey and I'm just being tested. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll find out one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's true. But it's nothing that needs to be decided or figured out right now. Yeah. I actually, that I do that a lot. So when I know a decision needs to be made, I have to remind myself that yes, a decision needs to be made, but it doesn't need to be made right now. So don't stress over it. That's so powerful. And I, and I do think that the universe puts it in front of you when it's ready to be made. And so it's just being patient to understand what the decision is going to be. It will become clearer and clearer when the time is right. Hmm. I like that. I have a few more questions, probably just two more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering what your goals are for audit minor this year. Oh gosh. So audit minor is exponentially growing. <gasps> I mean, I, oh boy. Um, I think that we will, we have the opportunity and potentially the need to hire up to 20 people this year. So today we're a team of four W2 employees. I want to bring on for sure three more over the next two months. And then depending on how busy we get, which I think it's going to blow up based on like we're signing new customers, probably two to two to three a week. Wow. Yeah. From all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we might need like almost 20, 15 to 20 people by the end of the year. And so I'm looking at process, how to put the process in place in my company so that we can scale easier. Mm -hmm. And then identifying those roles that we need, those key roles and what they look like. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to make sure that we have diversity in my firm, in my, mm-hmm. in my company. And that's hard to do when yeah. you and your co-founder are both white. We have the diversity for gender, absolutely. But we do not have a diversity as far as race and ethnicity. Hmm. And so how do I be intentional about, intentional about that, but also not just, you know, still hire the right person for the right job? Yeah. And so getting, when I have a job opening, making sure I am putting it in the right places and not being biased about like where I'm putting it in what I'm reading and who I'm interviewing. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be intentional about it Yeah, because I don't think that we're going to change the diversity, equity, inclusion, unless we are intentional about it. It's not just going to happen. Yeah. That is so true. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that right now because it's so important in the academic world, but I don't know the business world enough to hear that changes are actually happening with that. So that's, that's important. That yeah. You so like one of the things, you know, it's international women's day yes. a couple of days ago, or yeah, I don't even remember for sure. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of great posts online, like international women support women, but I kind of have a love hate relationship because it's like, yeah, that's great. Let's say that. But what are we doing? What action are we taking? Yes. And so while I didn't post anything about that, my action is two of my, two of my, my 
first two employees were retired women mm-hmm. that are going to have a hard time finding a job somewhere else because of their age, but they still want to work. They're so smart and they're organized and they're professional and I can trust them. And so my two hires were non-traditional females. And then my other key job hire is a female who works part-time because she has a new baby and allowing her to be in that super important role, but only working part-time. I didn't need a full-time person for it. We're making it work. Mm -hmm. And that's how I am impacting females in the profession is by my actions. Um, I don't have a lot of words around it because I don't think we need words. We need action. I love that. (gasps) Okay. I have two more questions. I had another question pop up. (laughs) Can you walk me through your relationship with your co-founder? His name is Jason. Jason. Yeah. Sorry. My, my dogs are barking. (laughs) So my relationship with Jason, Mm -hmm. um, our relationship is strictly it's, it's professional and trusting. So he's not full-time yet. He still has a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. Um, and he works on audit minor on nights and weekends. And so there's a lot of trust that he does his job and I do my job. We don't really cross lanes. Like we are very clear about our roles and responsibilities. Um, and we're friends, but we don't hang out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we have, he has two daughters and a wife. I have three kids and my husband and all of our extra energy goes towards them. So it's not like we're going out and having beers or like doing parties. We, it's truly a partnership, a professional partnership. Mm-hmm. And I trust him um, with everything. Like I call, he was one of the first people I called when I found out I had cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good, it's a good relationship. And then we, we are very, we're very good at about talking about conflict. Mm. Because as your organization evolves, it's a living, breathing thing and, you know, equity split, compensation, like, you want to make sure that that's equitable and fair. And we have had conversations throughout this journey about, okay, I feel like I'm not being financially rewarded for the sweat equity that I have put in. Mm-hmm. We've had to have those conversations before and we're able to, because we try and take the emotion out of it mm-hmm. and be an objective. And so I think we have a very, very healthy relationship for co-founders. That's great. That's so important too with entrepreneurship. And I oh love gosh, yes. hearing that with, cause I never, you never get to talk about that when mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I started a company. It's like, how do you start a living, breathing thing with someone else and have that relationship and maintain that? It's open communication and it's being able to talk about conflict and understanding that conflict is not inherently bad. Hmm. Oh, I like that. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question and I ask all of my guests this. It's, it's my favorite question. Cause it stumps you. <laughs> you, could, you could go anywhere in the world. Where would you not go? If I could go anywhere in the world. Uh, I would probably not go to like the North Korea, Russia, Middle East out of fear mm-hmm. for my life and like being detained. And it has nothing to do with, you know, the war that's going on right now. It's just these horror stories. Yeah. Um, So it would be the fear that would be, I think it would be, I would love to see the, the buildings and the architecture and the food. Right. Mm -hmm. But I would be scared that like, I would do the wrong move and not be able to come home. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I've thought a lot about where I want to go because it's cancer. You start having a bucket list. Where would you go? I want to go to Antarctica. 
Ooh, okay. And see Antarctica. I don't know why. I just think I hate, I do not even like cold. I just, the the scenery is beautiful. So I'd love to go to Patagonia and take like a boat ride down to Antarctica. Yeah. That's huge. Oh my gosh. I have a documentary I need to show you. It's, they say your quote too, the only difference between hardship and adventure's perspective. Yes. I need to know this. I'll share it with you. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm so inspired and just motivated by your story and everything you're doing. You're absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. I appreciate you having me on. It's just fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was my interview with Kelly Mann. I hope you are as inspired and motivated by her story as I am. She's truly an incredible human being with such an amazing perspective on life and a drive that I am so inspired by. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked this episode, I encourage you to check out my other episodes. I interview amazing human beings, and I know you'll be inspired by probably all of them. Please reach out to me on social media if you like this episode. I love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. You can find me on LinkedIn at Carolyn Orbell. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you can find me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I can't wait to see where you go. Thanks. Bye.